This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool Blood Red podcast. I'm Dan Kay and I'm joined here on this Friday afternoon by two fine gentlemen uh, who have been up at Melwood today. Uh, our Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, Mr Paul Gorst. How are you, Paul? I'm very good, Dan. How are you? All very well. Getting I'm looking there, forward yeah. to the big game tomorrow. Uh, Doily, how's your good self? I'm OK. Excellent. What's my name? Your name is Doily. No, it is the not. one and only Doily. <laughs> Mr Ian Doyle, Esquire. And what's my job Spires. title? Uh, Chief Liverpool Cook and Bottle Washer. Indeed, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, right, well, gents, you've both been at Melwood uh, listening to... Jurgen Klopp give his pre-Leicester press conference. Um, tell us how it went. <laughs> there was one, one moment, wasn't it, Doily, when um, he got asked about Jesse Marsh. This is diverting a little bit, but he got asked about Jesse Marsh, um, the Salzburg manager who's today been uh, a video published on the internet about him giving his team a rocket, shall we say, during his half-time team talk. And he said um, if Liverpool would have ever have done that with him, he'd walk out on the spot. And there was a humorous moment when he thought the press conference was over. And he went to stand up to walk out. And uh, the press officer had to tell him, no, it's not done yet unless this is you walking out. <laughs> that, that was quite a humorous moment. But you give, a, give an update on Alisson. Um, he's back in training with the with the, the rest of his teammates, which we, we we thought would be happening this week. Uh, been training a lot with uh, with John Akterberg and the rest of the goalkeeping coaches up until now. He won't be involved tomorrow. Or highly unlikely that he'll be involved tomorrow. More likely that... He'll be looking at Manchester United later this month. Uh, no Joel Matip, no Jadon Shaqiri. And other than that, he was full of praise for Brandon Rodgers' job that he's doing at um, the King Power. It drops a third, aren't he? Free scoring, battered Newcastle last week. And uh, he was full of praise for Jamie Vardy as well, who's got a great record against Liverpool. So he was in good spirits, but he said uh, there might be a bit of a good reception for Brendan Rodgers, and sh- so there should be. I'm sure we'll come on to that. But... It's not a friendly game, and once that's done and dusted, he needs everyone to be on side to get that result. Going to the international break with eight consecutive wins, and put a little bit more pressure on Manchester City with that eight-point lead until they play Wolves tomorrow, uh, Sunday. Ian, it's been obviously an intense period of fixtures for the Reds uh, in this chunk of games since uh, the last international break at the start of the month. Um, how did the manager strike you in terms of his kind of general demeanour? Um, Obviously, we're relatively early in the season, but it has been fairly full on. Um, how, how, how did he come across to you? He's come across. He seemed fairly laid back. I mean, sometimes with his press conferences, we've noticed when he first started, he was obviously full of soundbite, soundbite, sorry, and people were hanging on his every word. But lately, certainly last season, he was quite keen to say nothing or try to say nothing of any, in, not no interest, but nothing quite as spectacular as he did do when he first arrived. But uh, today, he, he seemed quite quite lively. He come up with quite a few good lines, you know, the ones that Paul just mentioned. So, you know, he didn't seem particularly bothered. He certainly wasn't bothered about what happened in midweek, let's put it that way. Mm. He, even at the time, he said, look, we've got to learn from this, put it behind us and, you know, move on to the next one. We can't just, you know, lose confidence in ourselves and lose faith in our defending and our character just because we conceded, you know, three goals in about half an hour in a game that they ended up winning, of course. So, in that sense, there was no damage done and they're the best ways to... To learn, isn't it? You learn something from a game that you eventually win anyway. So you, you, you always learn from defeats, but if you can learn from victories, even better. So just, yeah, Jurgen Klopp, he seemed in 
fairly good mood. And as Paul said, there was that funny moment where he, he did get up and Matt McCann, the press officer, oh, no, no, no. It's not. <laughs> and so, uh, no, funny. Though this was a bit of a warning, wasn't it, to uh, Liverpool, should they ever decide to do being, being Liverpool, Liverpool again? Yeah. And whether or not, I think we were discussing this, whether it was a little go at, not a go at, but a comment about when Pep Guardiola Obviously, the, did the, the city one exactly, oh, yeah, yeah, and all of that, and then when that all came out, that kind of worked in Liverpool's favour in the end. So, I think it was a little little reminder to anyone who, who may be thinking about it uh, to just keep the cameras away from uh, the dressing room, certainly at halftime, yeah, especially the time in Barcelona. They've got something similar out, haven't they? Well, yeah, that was the other thing, mm. isn't it? Today, yeah, Barcelona. That that what's that? Is that next week or over the coming weeks? There's a documentary uh, series, next week yeah, six parter, isn't it? On six specific Barcelona games, I think, one I, of which is the semi. I always find these things interesting because there was a Sunderland one as well, wasn't there? Was there a Leeds Premier one? Premier Passions, Travel Sheffield United, wasn't that, it? That, Premier Passions was Sunderland. That was twenty years ago when Peter Reid was. That's there. right. Yeah. yeah. There's the a Leeds, Leeds one. Was the recent. Recent. There has been Sunderland till I die, isn't it? That's the yeah, that's the yeah. recent yeah. one. But in, I'm not sure actually. I'm not sure about yes, In all yeah. of these, while they yeah. are interesting for the supporter, they're interesting for the neutral observer, the football fan, they're interesting for us as journalists. I do wonder what the clubs get out of it mm. because how often do they come out of it looking good? Liverpool certainly. While obviously it was well intentioned to like, uh, it, they're all basically PR stunts, aren't they? Well, yeah. that's why they agreed to it. In the first place, question, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's why they do it. But the point being, the PR stunts, they never ever come out of it looking as good as they think they're going to. Man. I mean, it's good in the sense that people talk for, for years. But if this Barcelona was any good, for example, people talk about it for years because people, you know, Barcelona are probably the, with Real Madrid and Liverpool, obviously, uh, biggest clubs in the world. Uh, so anything that goes on behind the scenes that people, People, you know, we might get to see some of Medium it because of our job. Yeah, up, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, we might get to see some of that, but most fans won't get to see it. But it, it does make you wonder, and you can see why Jurgen Klopp just said, "Look, no chance." Mm. And the, and the irony, of course, is that this is this is we're talking about this on the eve of Brendan Rodgers returning to Anfield, and of course he was very much involved in in that being Liverpool one was it seven or so years ago. Mm. We'll, we'll we'll get back to Rodgers in a moment and his envelopes and his envelopes, <laughs> yes, and his various. Uh, <laughs> Is what's his what was his race to Raheem Sterling? Um, Say that again, son, and yeah. you'll be on the next play. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it? It was, it was here, here, or something. He said to him, didn't he? Can I come here? Something like yeah. yeah it's, the, the, it's a long time like, yeah. but it was compulsory, compelling viewing, wasn't it? Um, just to come back to what you said about. I mean, I actually only I've only come into work later today on a later shift, so I only actually saw half of the press conference on on TV. Um, but what it did strike me when he was asked about Alisson, well, he asked about all the in injured players. Now, whether he said anything, did, you know, obviously I know you guys go into breakouts with them afterwards, obviously to, to do, your, do your written pieces. It's certainly in the initial part of his press conference, he kind of he kind of seemed to keep his cards a bit close to the ch his chest and say, basically said, I'll make my mind up tomorrow about Alisson. Do you, you don't think there's any chance that we, that we might just kind of see him sneaked in there? Because it, it's a huge game tomorrow for Liverpool. I'd be really surprised. I know, um, personally, I get the impression that Klopp is, would be happy to put him in, but he's said a couple of times now it's not just his decision. Yeah. Um, we had the story on the on the Echo website, I think it was Monday, um, and it was basically that it's, it's in the hands of the medical department. Mm. Once they get the green light, then Alisson is able to return to the fold, and that's obviously happened this week. But whether he's up to being 100% to be thrown back into the Premier League action, I think Klopp probably would like to do that, but I think... It's not just his decision and uh, maybe he's hearing one or two noises from other people more qualified in certain areas of, to diagnose injuries that they're saying maybe not yet. Uh, that, that's the, the impression I'm, I'm getting from it. But I certainly think for Manchester United on October the 20th, is it? I think, yeah. uh, I think we might see him return then, but uh, I don't see it tomorrow. Um, 
would you like to see him return tomorrow, Ian? I mean, if 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 Adrian does continue, I think it's fair to say Liverpool, you know, he's very much proved his worth mm. to Liverpool supporters over the last month or so. With yeah, one slight hairy moment on Wednesday night when one of his passes from mm. the back almost got cut up. But, but I thought particularly Sheffield United when... Particularly in that second half, there was a bit of an aerial bombardment. He looked very, very assured under the high ball, came and claimed the ball very, very well at times. Liverpool supporters should have no real fears if Adrian does continue between the six tomorrow, should they? No, not really. I mean, if Adrian had been struggling a bit, I'd imagine Alisson would definitely be playing tomorrow. They'd want to rush him back in, but Klopp's been fairly consistent and insistent on what he said about the treatments for, for Alisson is that you know, <clears throat> we're not going to rush him. There's no point. Calf injuries are difficult when you're a keeper because you put so much weight on it when you're jumping up. And he said, you know, Alisson is not the smallest, shall we say. He's a, he's a big lad. So there's quite a lot of weight going on those those calves. So he doesn't want to, you know, th- there's a prob- There's no problem there with, with Adrian. He's playing very well. He's done better than anybody would have expected. And I mean, I wrote a piece earlier this week saying basically he's the best standing goalkeeper Liverpool probably have ever had in terms of, you can t- of- it's obvious that Alisson is the number one choice Adrian came in knowing he was a number two and he's through this injury he's coming and he's as you say he's proved his worth straight away I wouldn't play Alisson tomorrow no there's no point in risking him especially when he's not going to go away with Brazil I don't think um I can't imagine why he would another two weeks yeah exactly another two weeks yeah and and then the United game is a it's a big game and it's a good one to come back into and goalkeepers are different Klopp was also asked about you know is it a bit different for goalkeepers when they come back to to fitness because they're obviously not running around anywhere near as much. They don't need as much sharpness. And a lot of their sharpness comes from the training with the goalkeeping coaches, which is, as Gorsty said, he's been nearly two weeks now, isn't it? There's been training with the keepers, yeah. I think. Yeah. So he'll have all that. But as I say, I wouldn't be surprised if he was on the bench. There you go. <laughs> There's one, right? That could be the little bit of middle ground is to yeah. put him on the bench as if to say, look, just in case, you know, and the, there's been no suggestion this would ever happen. Adrian has an absolute nightmare because it happened with Real Madrid in the week, didn't it? I think. Of course, well, got subbed at half time, which, yeah. which was very odd. You don't really see that too often. Too down. And he wasn't particularly at fault for no, the goals. No, but I don't, I don't think Zidane likes him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Zidane's never rated them, has he? No. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, going back to Liverpool. <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Alli- Okay, I wouldn't be massively surprised if Alisson was on the bench, but I don't think he'll start any. I think, if all things considered, I think he'll play against Man United when they come back from international break. Sure. Um, mentioned just before that um, Jürgen's general demeanour wasn't showing too many signs of unease at um, the rather harem scarum nature of Wednesday night's Champions League victory over Salzburg. But obviously Liverpool conceding three goals in the space of 20 minutes is not something that we're very used to in this day and age. Bearing in mind Liverpool tomorrow take on Third place Leicester City, one of the real success stories of the season so far. A team that since Brendan Rodgers took charge, uh, was it March time? Mm, February, March, February. February. Only Liverpool and City have taken more Premier League points since Leicester, since he took over. Obviously, they've got some very sharp players up front, not least Jamie Vardy. Will, are you concerned, should supporters be concerned, that the little bit of defensive fragility that the Reds have shown really through most of the season so far. I think we've only had what? I think I think Bramall Lane was only the second clean sheet of the but, season but so no, far. Yeah. No team, only, Leicester are the only team that's conceded as few goals in the Premier League. Liverpool it's five, isn't it? So it's actually a battle of the two best defences. So nil-nil written all over yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Liverpool's defence will certainly have to be on their metal tomorrow, won't they? Yeah, I, that I, I did, did, did the poetry motion podcast yesterday and I said at the time, it's, I can see it being another wild game, to be honest, same as, as the other night. And I think Liverpool might have to score two or three to, to get a win. I know Leicester uh, set up to, to counter-attack and think think that's been their strength for quite a while, really, with, particularly with Jamie Vardy, who scored as many as seven goals against Liverpool. I knew he'd scored a few, but when I, I checked it out shortly before we, we come on, I couldn't believe it was that many. Mm-hmm. Um, seven goals against the team of Liverpool's calibre. Some going, um, but I think, I think he's, he's a very good striker. Um, possibly could have could have had a, a better career somewhere else, but he's obviously got that Leicester win, and he'll, he's a, a, an immortal for Leicester, isn't he, for just what he did that season. But I think... They've got some uh, other decent players as well, like Yori Telemans and obviously James Madison, both big threats. Um, the, the full-backs, Klopp was talking about them, wasn't he, in his press conference. Ben Chilwell and, and Ricardo Pereira, um, both very good going forward. So this is a good team to pull up against um, tomorrow. And, and for me, I think they probably got the best chance of cracking that top six and, and breaking into it. Uh, it was only, what what was it, three years ago that they won the, won the yeah, Premier League? Yeah. Um, still a remarkable achievement, that. And... I actually I quite like them. I, th- I think they're upwardly mobile. They've got plenty of pace. They're great on the counter-attack and I think they will give Liverpool a game tomorrow. So Liverpool will have to defend a lot better than they did on Wednesday. Joe Gomez is looking like he's going to be partnering Virgil van Dijk unless Dejan Lovren comes in, which you can't really see. So um, both both centre-backs are going to have to be a lot sharper than you were the other night. And um, the full-backs are probably might have to rein it in a little bit more than than he did the other night, even though they were responsible for the second goal, weren't they? They've, well, they very much do any kind of taking my next question to, to, to doily off me there. Um, Klopp did mention that, you know, Joe Matic will <coughs> still be unavailable. Mm. Um, do you see him changing that defence at all? Um, whether that involves moving Gomez to fullback or bringing Lovren in? Um, you know, the, the, the fullbacks pushing forward is, is clearly a fundamental part of how Liverpool set up and play. Um, do you see any major changes likely defensively tomorrow? In? No, I mean, Gomez will stay in only because Matip's not there. There's no way Lovren will play because he's even more rusty than Gomez is. Uh, the other option would be to play James Milner at no, one of the fullback yeah. roles, but I actually think he's going to play midfield because I actually think it's the midfield that was the issue on, uh, on, on Wednesday. Okay, it didn't help that Van Dijk and Gomez hadn't played together for so long, but it, Fabinho, he's been very good since what best part of nearly a year now isn't it nearly since he's since he started playing regularly maybe last 10 months or so but he was pulled out of position quite a lot because he wasn't helped by his two midfielders I thought the midfield looked a bit tired second half Henderson and Wijnaldum it's no surprise to see they were Both the two that got there, subbed yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised if neither of them plays on uh, on Saturday I mean the reality is, I think one of them will play, but I wouldn't be surprised if both of them don't play because if Liverpool, he's got Jurgen Klopp's got all those midfielders, he's got a lot of options. He's interesting that he brought Cater on towards the end, and he's talked him up a little bit in in the last week or so. So mm. I expect him to get a start fairly soon. Um, so yeah, I think it's more midfield than defence. I think Van Dijk and Gomez can work it out between themselves because they've done it before, so there's no actual worries there. In terms of Gomez's own performance, it's it's. I thought he was very good against MK Dons. He was very, he was okay for the first half an hour. I know Klopp said he was exceptional along with the rest of the team in the first half hour, but I don't yeah, quite right, agree. I don't, do, yeah, I don't quite agree with that. I think there's one or two. He's still only 22, isn't he? Yeah. So he's very young to be playing as centre back at that stage in the Champions League. Uh, and I remember last season when he played that half season before he got injured. There were certain games like when he played Fulham 
uh, Mitrovic gave him a little bit of the run around because he's a proper old school centre forward, yeah, yeah. hustling and bustling and, and all that, all arms and legs. Yeah, likes it, likes the ball up in the air. And I think that's something that maybe Gomez isn't so good at. He's too often for me at the moment lets the ball bounce or lets the ball go over his head. We might not see a lot of that from Leicester because they like to play Vardy in, mm. and that could suit Gomez because of his pace. He's not going to get outpaced, I don't think, by Vardy because he is. I know Vardy's very quick, but so's Gomez. Yeah, and Gomez, you'd say, is stronger than Vardy as well. So. I think in that sense, if it was a foot race between any of the centre-backs, either sorry, either of the centre-backs with Vardy, I'd back them. I think they'd position themselves better as well. Because uh, I think that, I'm pretty sure the last two times Liverpool played Leicester, I don't think Vardy played in the game at Leicester last season. He played in the one all at Anfield, but I don't remember him doing anything because Leicester's goal was from a free Look kick, wasn't it? Wasn't from a free kick, time, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, I'm, I can't see any major change in defence. I think it'll be the same defence that played against uh, Salzburg. I think it's midfield where there will be, if it's not personnel changes, there'll be some tactical tweaks. Don't think they'll go 4-2-3-1. I think they'll do something, bearing in mind the players that Leicester have got. Fair enough. Um, we'll, go, we'll move on to Brendan Rodgers, um, making his first ret- professional return to Anfield since leaving his role almost I think it's four years next week isn't four, it four years today four years today yeah four years today yesterday it was what day is it on fourth oh sorry yeah because I've written it for tomorrow's paper four years or a day the day of the 1-1 at Goodison and Thierry on his oh it's 1-1 sorry apologies Danny Ings his derby goal off him it was Lukaku from memory champ clearance hit somebody didn't he that's right yeah and obviously Thierry on his famous knee touch Jamie Carragher which is Spawned a million memes and one that actually included you, yeah, not too, so, yeah. not so long ago. Um, what kind of reception do you think he'll get? I hope it's a, it's a good one. I, I don't see a scenario where it isn't a good one. The pool fans will always remember what he did in that 2013 14 season and will try and forget what happened in the subsequent season after it. And yeah, I think he'll be given a great reception. He deserves it. Played some of the greatest football I've ever seen from a Liverpool team. Um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, particularly in, in the particularly after Christmas up to the end of that season. You know, going to Old Trafford and absolutely battering Manchester United. Art that first half against Arsenal was still one of the, the greatest I've ever seen. The Merseyside derby where they trampled all over Everton. City game. City that, that incredible three two. They battered Tottenham home and away. Um, just a, an incredible season and um, one that really should have. Should have been secured with a Premier League title. We all know it didn't happen, and the, the wounds are still there for many Liverpool fans. It's a shame that it didn't. But I think tomorrow, when he uh, when he visits Anfield, I think the cop will give him um, a similar reception to what he would have done in in the spring of 2014, and he deserves it. I think personally, I think there are certain things he does which people question, and and he, he's he's right, <coughs> isn't he, for the for the little bit of a poking and a little bit of a joke, but. As a manager, I think he's top class and he's one of the finest British managers around now and good luck to him. I think the point about being one of the finest British managers around is true. One I happened to notice this morning, it's Roy Evans' birthday today. Yes. 71. 71, something like that. I saw somewhere, he is actually the last English manager to win a major trophy. Really? In, in this country, which is the 1995 League Cup. Oh, hang on. Which is actually Joe, Joe, Joe Royal won the FA Cup in 1995 after him. So, I'm okay, sure. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> cut that. Three, three months I'm sure. I'm sure, exactly, I'm sure there's been more since then. It must have been, surely. 
Any League Cup in there? Steve McLaren. Steve McLaren. Steve McLaren, McLaren, McLaren yeah. All right, well, whoever okay. put that tweet out was talking absolute bubbles. Um, but anyway, um, clearly he is a very able manager. I think it, he was 38 when he got the Liverpool job. 39. Mm, 39, yeah, yeah. Certainly under 40, which seems extraordinarily young. Uh, he obviously went on to have a fair bit of success at Glasgow Celtic, which some might argue doesn't take an awful lot of doing giving the, um, the level of Scottish football these days. But... The impact that he's had at Leicester since he's, you know, in the six months or so that he's been there shows the ability that he's got to to get a club going, to get the team going, playing att- attractive, winning football. He'll be very determined tomorrow, Ian, to come to Anfield and prove a point, won't he? He will. Uh, I think I agree. There's no reason for him not to get a good reception. No. Although some of, as I said, as Kofi said, some of what he did wasn't particularly right. And I think the problem with with Brendan Rodgers, two things. The first thing is that he was he was very young to take over. And I don't think he realised just how big the club was until about six, seven, eight, nine months in. And by then, a lot of the stuff that he'd already said, which is the stuff that people still quote to this day about yeah. Barini and poor old Joe Allen, the Welsh Xavi and all that kind of stuff. Envelopes. All, that envelopes. Business, all yeah. of that was done very, very early on when he was trying, rain, to, trying, yeah. to, trying to make a statement. And I think he realised after those initial months that mm, actually this is quite a big team. He'd been at Chelsea, hadn't he? So I think he thought Chelsea, Liverpool, Chelsea more successful than Liverpool in the last few years, but Liverpool is a much bigger yeah. global Gigantic. global team. And the second thing is because he was so young, he was still learning the job. And I don't think Anfield, Liverpool is a place you can go to to be finishing school, to be a, for, for a coach. I mean, I wrote something like this after the FA Cup semi-final to Aston Villa where they lost 2-1. And there was a certain sense of he was making the mistakes that you'd make if you were appearing in an FA Cup semi-final for the first time, which I'm pretty sure he was at yeah. that time. So, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's a bit different. Like, so when Kenny Dalglish was player manager at Liverpool, he'd been Liverpool player for nearly 10 years. So, so he understood knew, the so nature understood, of the club, Yeah, the and he played in them. Whereas yeah. Rodgers, as a player, obviously his career was cut short through injuries, but he spent a lot of time coaching, going through the ranks. And I almost think that if... Brendan Rodgers hadn't been Liverpool manager and he was doing the Leicester job now and then he does a really good job in Leicester. When Klopp finishes, people go, why don't we get Brendan Rodgers in as Liverpool manager? And I think he'd be far better equipped to do it now. Uh, sorry, at that point, say three years down the line. Because mm. I think he'll do really well at Leicester. I think he's he's helped by the fact he's got some very good players there. I mean, I've always liked Leicester. The, the, the current iteration in terms of the last four or five years, even when they came up and that season where they struggled for a while... That season, they ended with something like they won eight of the last nine games, which then gave them the momentum to go into the next season. And when they won, terrible trouble like March time, weren't they? When they won the Premier League, they only lost, I think it's three games. They lost three games. One of which is Liverpool. Twice to Arsenal and Ben Tecky's going to miss Yulavashi in the last minute. Remember that one? I wasn't. I was somewhere else. I think Castro's Michael had come up and Liverpool broke, and he was ended up being a tap into an empty net, and he put it wide. Ben Tacco did it. Poor old Ben Tacco. I know, yeah. Anyway, so Brendan Rogers, yeah. He, I think, yeah, I think he's a good coach. I think he's learned a lot. I think he's learned a little bit. I got asked to do something by our chums in Leicester earlier this week, QA on Rogers, and I put in a line about maybe he's learned a little bit of humility as well. Mm. Not in terms of he's, he's not very really boastful or stuff like that, but because he's very certainly when he first joined Liverpool, he was very much you have to look at, as I mentioned, some of the quotes. He's, he's very, what's the word I'm looking Grandiose. for? Grandiose. No, the word is, he's like absorbed in himself, but not quite that strong. Mm. You know, he, he's got a lot of self-belief in himself and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes, you just, place, need, sometimes you just need to take a step back. And 
as I say, I think he was a completely different manager by the time he left Liverpool to the one where he started. And, you know, ironically, he was a much better manager by the time he then goes up to Celtic, gets his confidence back, wins a lot of trophies, which, well, it is easy. You've still got to do it. Mm. Uh, I'd still be worried in terms of his experience in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that, you know, you could... Won the Real Madrid. You've beaten me to it. That was the beginning of the end. And I know regular listeners will and readers of The Echo will know that that's, you know, I'm still not letting that one go five years down the line. (laughs) Uh, You just don't do that as Liverpool manager. Uh, And I think he lost a lot of people at at that point. Uh, But I think he's learned from it. And the point being, Liverpool, he was there, he was young, he learned an awful lot from there. And I think if he was offered the job, he won't be, but if he was offered the job in like three years' time, I think people would have been far more enthused than maybe they were towards the end of his time at Anfield. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Can and will Leicester make the top four? don't think they'll get the top four. I think they've got a very good chance of... Wrestling Manchester City out of that top, uh, Manchester United yeah, that would out of be that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Manchester United out of that top six. Uh, third at the moment, aren't they? Mm. They're going well. Mm. I just strength in depth, possibly. Yeah. yeah, but I think they've got a good chance at top six. Mm. Definitely, United at the moment just look terrible, don't they? You seen them? Anyone watched them against AZ Alkmaar last night? Barely had a shot, did he? Um, well, he didn't have a shot well, on target. Yeah. Apparently. yeah. So there was some stats like. They haven't had well. Well, one one stat that stuck out to me was they haven't won any away match since they knocked Paris out of the Champions League yeah. in March, March, which is yeah. extraordinary. Which is when Rio Ray, Ferdinand declared that they were uh, always at the wheel, giving whatever, sign the contract. Yeah. Well, now, he, well, he did, didn't he? He, he? he got a new contract on the back Kiss of that. Death. And they haven't been the same since. So I think if Leicester have Leicester are going to do something this season, I think they might just sneak in there. Uh, the Manchester United don't think they'll get the top four, but certainly in there with a the top six shot, yeah. I think, they, I think they could get top four. Yeah, yeah, genuinely do. They've got. I know you mentioned strength in depth. I actually think they've got a, a bit of strength in depth. Certainly in midfield, you worry a little bit up top if Vardy gets injured, yeah. and that's a bit of a struggle. But that's that's always been the case, hasn't it, for them? Uh, one of their players, who if he, I'm rather hoping he doesn't play against Liverpool, Old Brighton. Always has a good game mm. against Liverpool. And he's mm. kind of that, that tricky player. He'll give whoever, I think it would be Trent, wouldn't it, on the right, he'll give him a hard time and he gets in, crosses in early and, OK, I know Van Dijk is, is good in the air, but there's just something about the way he plays. He always seems to to cause a little bit of trouble, certainly for Liverpool. And, and as Gorsi said before, Vardy always seems to score. Like he's got an insanely good record against the top six because of the way that they play, because they're always on the front foot. And... They'll always be on the attack yeah. when that gives him the space to think. And Liverpool have been playing a high line this season, as we know. Uh, and this will probably be the ultimate test of that, which again, which brings me back to me, we asked earlier about whether there be any changes in defence. This is why midfield, I think, they'll be wary of that. I think they'll look to block off Klopp, didn't they? Block off the routes to uh, the passes to Vardy, you know, yeah. which is something they successfully did at Anfield last season and they'll be looking to do this time around. I've written a piece, well, virtually written, I'm going to finish off later, that's going online in the morning, about Leicester and how they've been a bogey team for Liverpool going back decades. It's actually the, the first team I ever saw beat the Reds, Boxing Day 1984. 1-0? Um, 2-1. 2-1, Leicester's yeah, goal scorers yeah. were Gary Lineker and Alan Smith, whatever happened to them. Hmm. Um, but as this piece will illustrate, it goes back, way back to Bill Shankly's time. As we know, Liverpool are on an incredible run of victories. It's what... 16 it's 16 yeah. yeah 16 consecutive Premier League wins obviously 7 at the start of this season um, 
Are Leicester a bogey side? And will tomorrow be the end of the run? <laughs> wow. We hope <laughs> not. We hope the, not. There was only two teams that took points off Liverpool and Anfield last season, Manchester City and Leicester. Mm-hmm. And that 1-1 draw cost Liverpool a title, can we say? Um, well, I agree with that. And and you know, sorry, just to jump in here. I mean, without wanting to, um, I put this, you know, issue uh, get a Goodison fat wap put on my head. But you know, there there are some Evertonians that are taking great delight and are clinging desperately to the fact that they the draw at March. We, we have mentioned Sam Carroll in the past here. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> they think cost Liverpool the title. I mean, arguably, it's the best, it's the finest Merseyside derby moment they've had for about a decade. But in reality, Liverpool won thirty league games last season. They drew and lost to the champions Manchester City, and then the the, the six other games were five five away draws to teams that you would you know that you would generally see as a decent point away from home: Everton, Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, Arsenal United, United, and West Ham. Mm. Leicester at home is the one that sticks out. So to be honest, I you know if you can and you know you can you could it, it's all. It goes down to your interpretation. But, you know, you can make, I think, a strong case, as Gorsi said, that the Leicester game did cost us the league. And what was more pointed about that particular game is Liverpool, they pretty much started the goal up. If you watch it back, I'm certain Leicester didn't have a touch before Sadio Mane opens the score. Two or three minutes, wasn't it? After two minutes. um, And they held on, dug in and got an equaliser and cost Liverpool the points. And uh, when we had our little breakout bit with Jürgen Klopp before I asked him about that game and I said... Um, they were the, there were only two teams who took points off his last season obviously City and, and the other one was Leicester have you analysed that particular game or has is, is just too much happened since with Brendan Rodgers' appointments and so on and first thing he mentioned was the snow he said well it was snowing that day so it won't be snowing tomorrow so <laughs> we don't think it's going to be a similar type of mm. game he said um, it was Liverpool who were trying to play the most football that day and Leicester kind of left Liverpool to it and did what they, they like to do and knock it into the channels early Whenever they are possession, he thinks it'll be a completely different game, and um, I, th- I think he's got a point. I think Leicester now looked again on the front foot a lot more under Brendan Rodgers. He's very much an, an attacking coach, isn't he? And we, we all, we've all seen what his teams can do when they're on song. So I think it'll be a different game to that one. But that one-one draw did cost Liverpool majorly last season. And um, if you're asking about them being a bogey side, I wouldn't necessarily have thought of them as that, but. If you, if you say that that result cost Liverpool a title and mm. they're the biggest one going, aren't they? I, I think with that game, people forget that Cater should have had a penalty. Yeah. Nailed yeah. on, yeah. Yeah. Second half. And was that Ricardo? I think it was Ricardo that fouled him. And, and, and Cater, as you mentioned before, he's somebody who, personally, I think he'll start mm, against Leicester. So whether or not that's something that, you know, a little bit of evening up of stuff. Yeah, the snow, I remember the snow. And did Michael make a really good save shortly after it went 1 0? For me or somebody like that. Remember. What I remember about the weather was I actually had a little freebie through a friend in one of the, the corporate bits, bits that night. So we went in the ground reasonably early. How was the food? Bang average, to be fair. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a real high end one. It was all more right, yeah, kind okay, of like yeah, yeah. food. No, it, was, it wasn't bad. But you, had to pay, you had to buy your own ale, which was a bit of a disappointment. What? Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Um, when we went in at like half six, it was, you know, it was winter, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't massively mad weather. And it appeared that there was like a, a really intense kind of hail sleet storm right in the, you know, in the last 20 minutes before kickoff. So there was actually quite a bit of standing ice sleet on the pitch. Which, you know, I think, you know, a couple of things were mentioned after the game. Just thinking about the way they cleaned up one penalty here and didn't do the other one. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Didn't have time to do the other one, sorry. Well, it didn't didn't work, though, did it? No, no. 
are bogeys? I mean, I've, I've actually started this piece that's going somewhere with basically saying in the, in the, the technology pervades every area of society now, including <laughs> football, with sports science and analytics and XG and whatever. Is is bogey? T- are bogey sides even a thing anymore? I think they are, but I don't think Leicester are one anymore. I think you're showing your age a little bit by suggesting that Leicester are a bogey team because I remember, yeah, my dad used to say, oh, Leicester, bit of a bogey team. Mm. FA Cup semi-finals, exactly. So all of those, and they'd always nick a win here, there, and they'd have a good record. I think they're only so much in terms of, it's like people think Burnley are a bogey side for Liverpool because of the way they play. Certainly under since Jurgen Klopp arrived. I think since that 2-0 against... You know, they won at Turf, Turf Moor. They had about 57,000 shots. Mm. I think Liverpool have won every single... No, they've drawn one at home and they've won every single other game yeah. against Burnley. So I don't think... You know, a lot of these are to do with perception. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Leicester are a bogey team. I think if you're talking about bogey teams, you're oh, Man City, you're a bogey team for Liverpool because they, you know, they've Keep lost the, the last title, couple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so you'd, I, yeah, I, I think Liverpool... I think bogey teams do exist. I think there are teams that were... Once they get in your head... The, you know, the, you, people go, oh, no, we're going to play in these. Oh, do you remember this? And it's just because it's human nature. That's what happens. I mean, you'd argue that Liverpool are a bogey team to Everton. You literally sort the words out of yeah. mouth then. Yeah, yeah. because it, they, they got into their heads because they haven't won at Anfield in 20 years, haven't won at Goodison since 2010. Leicester, though, maybe in the old days, yeah, historically. But again... Late said, 90s. They had a great yeah. run late 90s yeah, under Martin O'Neill, didn't they, with right, that yeah, midfielder visit, some, Savage and Lennon. Say Liverpool don't win tomorrow, there will be some people who will go, oh, hang on a minute. Is this, yeah, exactly. Mm. So it is about perception, but it's down to the results. I don't think any Liverpool players are going out there thinking, oh no, it's Leicester. Other than it's Leicester, it's going to be difficult. And it answer the question that you asked Gorsty before. Did I say, I think they can get in the top four? You did. did yeah. I did, yeah. You've yeah. it. I just, so. yeah, I couldn't remember whether it said that. It's been a long time. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. Um, and it's been a long few, you know, it's been a long few weeks. The international break, obviously, as we know, is coming up after this match uh, on Saturday. Is this a good time? For it to come for Liverpool, yeah. Well, I think one of you mentioned just before that, particularly on Wednesday, the midfield in particular, Henderson and Alden were looking a little bit leggy at times. Is it a good time for, for just to kind of put club matters to one side for a week or two? And do you see Klopp starting to utilise the squad a little bit more once things resume in a fortnight's time? I think it's a great, um, great time to have an international break if you're Liverpool, because I think if you sign off tomorrow with eight wins from eight, going into that international break, just knowing that there's going to be a minimum five-point lead at the top. Heading into, what you, you look on the, the back end of October, what a position that is to be in. So to answer your, point, uh, answer your question on that one, I think yes, definitely. And I think Klopp will start to use the squad a little bit more than he has done. I think he would have liked to have done anyway, but he's obviously had an injury to Joel Matup. Jared mm. um, Shaqiri would have been nailed on against MK Dons. Unfortunately for him, he picked up an injury so um, I'm expecting a few more changes after the break with obviously Arsenal coming up in the, in the Carabao Cup. Uh, Tottenham are in there amongst the, the rest of the fixtures, aren't they? So I think um, I think he will have to just change it up one or two uh, tweaks here and there. And yeah, I think if Liverpool can get a win tomorrow, sign off, knowing that they've got an eight-point lead until City play on Sunday, that, that's going to be a huge, um, huge thing just to walk away from for a couple of weeks and... Um, That'll be great news for Liverpool. Ian, do you think Liverpool will be pleased to kind of get this kind of section of the season put to bed, having kind of, you know, assuming, hoping they get they get a win tomorrow, they'll have basically underlined that if some were, were 
speculating during the summer, most notably actually El Hadji Daif a week or two ago, that <laughs> Liverpool won't do half as well this season as what they did last year in the league. Well, you know, up to this point, they very much have done and better. But that brings with it its own pressure and intensity. And maybe we've seen little signs of that in the last couple of weeks where even though they've been getting the results, obviously it wasn't a brilliant performance at Bramall Lane. Wednesday night caused its own issues as well. Klopp will be kind of relieved if he can get three points tomorrow just to kind of put put it to bed for a little while, recharge and, and go again come mid-October. I mean, don't forget this this section of last season is when they drew it home to City, drew it at Chelsea, got beat by Napoli and got beat by Chelsea in the League yep. Cup. Yep. And so that was the probably, looking back, the most difficult part of the season. And when they came back for the international break, I think it was Huddersfield away where they had a strange nil, team with but... an awful lot of people were injured and you had, I, th- I think it was Sturridge was up front and Lallana was on left wing and Shakiri played. So there was a lot of changes in that particular game because of what had happened in the in, in the international break. So <laughs> there's the two sides of it. One, it was good the international break that time came because the players were a bit tired. But then secondly, the problem was most of them then got injured. So then, you know, some of them didn't play, some of them had to play, play through. It was Manny did his hand or something or he He'd broken his finger his or his thumb or yeah, was That's it? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So they're the two sides to it. Uh, I think, okay, let's say Liverpool lose tomorrow. They'd still be at the very least two points clear going into the second international break. And I think you would have taken that at the start of the season, especially with you know, the likes of playing Chelsea away and, and Leicester at home. Yeah. You know, not, not, not easy games. Um, but yeah, I think it has come at a good time because the, some of the players are looking a bit tired. But if it as you say, Shakiri's injury, Origi's injury as well. Mm. The pair of them would have played at least three more games. Well, Shakiri hasn't played any, but Origi would have played at least, I think, three more games than he has done. And there would have been a bit more rotation. I think it's interesting because I think Klopp desperately wants to change his midfield. He really wants to, but he's now thinking, hang on, we've won again and we've won again and we keep on winning. I don't want to make too much of a deal. You know, I could throw I could throw Lallana in, but he's only had that one game. I could throw Oxlade Chamberlain, he's not quite back. He would have played Cater, I think, on some of these, which is why I think he'll play tomorrow. And who's left? Who's up? Shakiri would have played there as well, couldn't mm. he? So there are options that I think he would have liked to have chosen, but couldn't. And, well, we said it last time, as Ghost, he said, we, we thought there'd be more changes. I think next, between the October and then the November international break, I think there will be yeah. quite a lot of changes because the two Champions League games are gank home and away, which aren't, you'd like to think, the most difficult. If you are going to rest any players in the Champions League, it'd be those two games, or rotate, sorry, mm. rotate them, not rest them. Uh, Arsenal-Caraval Cup, and then that prepares them for the league games, which aren't easy, are they? You've got United, Tottenham, and who's the other one? Well, uh, Villa away, and then it ends with... November the 9th, or I think it's actually Sunday the 10th now, isn't it? The final game before the November mm. break is the showdown with City and Exactly, Anfield. exactly. So, so they, re- they'll want the players to be reasonably okay for that. So, yeah, I think it's a, the October international break has come, as a good, come at a good time, but it'll be an even better time if Liverpool win tomorrow. Yeah. Um, right, we'll start to wrap things up. Just touch on Salzburg in the week briefly. Um, you were both at the... Mm. Uh, Europa, UEFA Youth League match yes we were in the sunny delights of St Helens earlier in the, the afternoon the epicentre of the universe let's the epicentre right. of the yep. universe as Ian would uh, obviously agrees um, and it, <laughs> it, it it wasn't far off being a mirror image of the Champions League tie um, later in the night uh, Liverpool won 3-2 4-2, 4-2. sorry they were, they were 2-1 down with about 12 minutes to go weren't yep. they and scored three late goals Um we don't want to be going to Salzburg for the final group game in December with anything riding on it. How much of a threat are the Austrians 
to Napoli, who they obviously will have a double header with when we go up against Genk in October, and even our own qualification hopes. I was uh, really taken aback by by how, how good they were. To be honest, I didn't didn't know too much about them before uh, before Wednesday night, and I, I knew the, the the coach. I knew he, he was an American, and I knew Erling Haaland was was the the golden boy for them. But uh, there was about half a dozen players who, who I was really surprised by, and they were uh, they were very good on the night. And I think um, I think I've seen a tweet saying that they haven't lost a home now for something like seventy games, which mm. is. Liverpool do not want to be going to Australia, Austria in the final group game. Um, certainly don't want to be going to Australia. <laughs> be warm yeah, in yeah, December. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to be going to Australia in the final group game in December and having to get a result because that could be so problematic. So I think six points against Genk, home and away, is an absolute must. And then you're just hoping that Napoli and Salzburg cancel each other out. Uh, I, I can see Napoli getting a result at home. I think, think they're very good at home, aren't mm. they? And they've got some top players as well. But maybe Salzburg can can take the points to the other end. So I think I think it's it's worked out quite nicely for Liverpool actually in that respect. But they've got to do the business against Genk home and away. No questions start, asked. Yeah. Starting with with Belgium uh, later this month. But yeah, th- there was quite a few Salzburg players who, who I thought, yeah, I, I like the look of him. Um, I think I guess the encouraging thing from both fixtures against Salzburg on Wednesday was that this resilience that we've seen very much the Liverpool first team over the last year to 18 months clearly is is it was a theme running through the club because the young lads in St Helens who probably were expecting, oh, well, we were Salzburg, we'll kind of roll these over. They found themselves with a game on their hands in second half, but dug deep, found a way to win. Mm. And that kind of, you know, that, that mentality uh, is something that you know, I think is, as time has gone on under Jurgen Klopp's reign in Anfield, is something that really is very much associated with what he instills into his players, and it can, you know, in many ways, that kind of that kind of spirit can often overlook technical short, shortcomings, can't they? Now that's right, but that spirit and uh, making a big deal of that spirit is overlooking a technical advantage that Liverpool had in the term in terms of in both games. It changed on the fact they changed the formation in the last twenty twenty five minutes. The under uh, under nineteens in the youth league, they started with a three four three. Which, because the way Salzburg played, they admitted like it ended up being like a, f- a five-three-two, which helped nobody mm. um, because they were pushing the wing backs back, and then they changed the four at the back, and that's when straight away they scored one, then they scored another one, then they scored a penalty in injury time, and for the first team, it was bringing on James Milner, going to a four-two-three-one. Two things happened there. One thing is that kind of helped protect the defence because after that. Salzburg didn't really have any chance. I think they had one shot from range, which was straight at the keeper, I yeah. think. And, of course, it meant Salah was in the central area, which meant that he was in the right place to then, when Firmino, who was then playing a little bit deeper, was then able to, to, to nod yeah. the ball on to, to Salah to score. Uh, and Liverpool changed to a 4-2-3-1 against Sheffield United on last Saturday. And that helped them in terms of going forwards. It made them a bit more, you know, they had a bit more threat. And it was you know, not soon after that they scored and they could have had a couple more goals. Divock Origi made a big difference playing down the left. So that was to help the attack and the, the, the one on Wednesday was more to help the defence, although the changes did help mean that Salah was able to then get the winning goal. And that tactical fluidity, I think, is another real strength to Liverpool's bow. The fact that, you know, they can win games in any number of different manners. You know, sometimes it's it's this all free-flowing, blood and thunder attacking football. They can grind games out, but also to be able to switch and change tack within a game, I think it shows that this is a very 
well coached, well drilled squad, both at senior and and youth level. Yeah, I think uh, Jürgen Klopp hasn't got big numbers in the squad, and I don't think he he likes to have too many. I think he prefers the tight knit squad. Uh, with one or two to, to choose from, but he does have players who can play in several positions, yeah. and I think that's why he does prefer having, say, a, say a squad of twenty to twenty-one rather than twenty-five and twenty-six, because players can play in three and four positions. You look at James Milner coming against MK Dons at left back, didn't he? He can easily play at central midfielder. Could even go in at right back if he absolutely has to. Fabinho is another one who started his career at right back. Sheridan Shakiri can play in three and four and five positions, so. Across the whole team, he's got players who, who are very versatile. I think that's uh, that helps when you, you're chopping and changing your systems. And I think I think that is Jurgen Klopp's go-to substitution when the builder up against it a little bit, reverting back to four-two-three-one, perhaps withdrawing Firmino a little bit, and Origi coming on to coming on to either the left side or down the middle, and it paid dividends the other night because I thought once Miller and Origi come on, the pool got a lot better, and it was uh, it was getting really worrying at that stage. It was three-three and. You were thinking of Salzburg even going to nick this, but the change settled Liverpool down quite a lot, and um, they obviously got the winner. Right. Well, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up in a time-honoured tradition by asking you first off for your Liverpool eleven to start tomorrow against the Foxes. Uh, I don't see Allison playing a part of Manus. I think it's going to be Adrian in goal, Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back, and Andy Robertson at left back. Joe Gomez and Van Dijk. That's the defence then. Yeah. We all we all in agreement on that one then? I wouldn't argue with that. I wouldn't I wouldn't alter that now. Midfield's a bit different, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Fabinho? Yeah, Fabinho. Yeah, I mean yeah. he is gonna need a rest at some point. Yeah. And he has looked a bit leggy. Yeah. But Fabinho, yeah. so then at least two. Cater. Cater, are we saying Cater? I'm, I'm I'll jump in on Cater okay. with this. So you're yeah. Cater, so who's the third one? I'm gonna go with Milner. Yeah. Yeah. Henderson or Milner for me, and I probably would just veer towards Milner. I mean, the only thing, you know, he's the club captain, it's a big game. But I think kind of like in some ways the kind of the pattern was almost set last year. You know, but, you know, I think Klopp said himself that one of his finest moments in the whole Madrid experience wasn't himself lifting the cup or any of the wonderful words that were said about him. It was seeing Jordan Henderson lift that trophy. One thing I think, I think I've said it before, one of the things that I admire most about Henderson last season was his ability to kind of take being left out at times and not have his head fall off or have a hissy fit. I think it takes real maturity. It takes a big man to accept that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Milner. The long way around. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to be contrarian and pick one album. Okay, I you can do what you want, mm. but you've been outvoted, so it's not going to go in the team. <laughs> Democracy. <laughs> and up front, yes. I'm still thinking Origi's going to have to play at some point. Maybe it's going to have to wait for Genk away. Well, particularly because you know we know. I put the story on yesterday that uh, Mo Salah is not going on international duty yeah. uh, to Egypt because they are, as you informed me yesterday, Paul. Um, they're only picking home-based players this mm. this time. Oh, it's, the, it's that tournament, isn't it? Is it yeah. the African? So he, could, he can't play anyway. Cater and Manning yeah. as well. Because so, he, he couldn't play in September either, could he? Mm. Because of the same thing. So so out of the front three, it would only be Firmino that's, that's He's going to Singapore. To play. Yeah, yeah, Who were they wasn't, wasn't too happy yeah, about that, actually, last week. It, it was it, the, the playing... It's it not Holland? Singapore anyway. It's um, it's, it's one of sure. his teammates, yeah. isn't it? Because they were in the States it last time, wasn't it? Wouldn't they have played two games yeah. on either side of the United Miami States? and LA, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they won't be. Yeah, they won't be. He won't be on. He won't be in coach class, will he? But still, um, have you been to Singapore? Uh, no, I haven't seen. No, I went a very long time ago when Liverpool were on Do tour. Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. Yeah. Trouble, yeah. Did it, soon season. No, I just remember it as being. We got told don't don't cross the road. 
where you can't because you'll get arrested. And also, don't leave any Chewy because Chewy's banned. Isn't that St. Helens? Yeah, yeah. No, that's just <laughs> electricity and water. <laughs> um, we're all in agreement. Yes, yeah. The main front yeah. three. Yeah. Fine. And uh, scores, predictions. 3 2 to Liverpool. Took the words out of my mouth. It's exactly what I've gone for. Now, I heard you say it's going to be a wild game. I actually don't think it's going to be wild. I think it's going to be tense. It's going to be a little bit fiddly. You know, one of those tetchy games, I think. I think it's going to be one all. One all. So, yeah. the, so the run ends tomorrow. To be fair, I did say one all Sheffield United, and I, but I called the way the game was going to go mm. right. Said it'd be proper scrappy, this, that, and the other. The only thing that made me think it might be a little bit caged than what we initially predicted is when we, earlier on in this in this podcast you said that Leicester are the are the second best yeah. defensive well, record the, behind it's us. The, it's the best. They've both got five. So both, both five. Got, yeah. yeah. I think I hope that's right now. I've written it already, so. <laughs> well, yeah. Best check of all yeah. yeah. I've declared it to be, so therefore it must be. Right, well, thank you, uh, everyone, for joining us this afternoon. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this podcast. We, we, we will be back, of course, for you on Monday with all the reaction to the weekend's football when hopefully Liverpool will have recorded their 17th Yes. Successive league win. Yep. We one thing we do know is that they will still be top of the league going into the international going into the international break, which is certainly far from being a, a poor state of affairs. Hope you all have a smashing weekend, uh, and we'll be back for you on Monday. Don't forget, of course, all uh, your Liverpool needs will be serviced by the Echo website right through the weekend, including <laughs> live coverage, of course, of tomorrow's game. Have a good one, and up the Reds. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.